Dave, the timer started, and that means we're back with a WP in 30. If you're joining us on YouTube, WP in 3D, thanks for spending some time with us. Welcome, welcome. Because we've only got 30 minutes, let's just dive right in. Today, we are talking briefly about a show that happened 50 years ago today as this episode is debuting. Show from Wednesday, February 28th, 1973, at the Salt Palace in Salt Lake City. This is a great show. It was your idea to talk about this one. So, why don't you start off by telling us why? Two reasons why. One, 50th anniversary, super cool. Anytime we can do it on any anniversary, I think that's really neat. But 50 is such a cool, major, round number that that makes it easy. Two, this show was built with Alex Texera in mind. The set list is very Alex friendly um, with a lot of your favorites and an encore that I know just warms your heart. So in fairness to you, I wanted to give you a show that I think would just be right up all your alleys. Well, thank you for that. And you are very right. This is like a lot of my favorite songs pretty much no none of my least favorite songs um and that's a very relative term when it comes to the grateful dead for me i my least favorite songs are still songs that i like better than like most songs by every other band but uh even still yeah so you nailed it uh great job this is also kind of an interesting thing where we're talking about a show that was released as dicks picks 28 on the 28th of february i kind of right. like that little vibe too so i want to start uh, with the first time I heard this album, uh, Dick's Picks Volume 28. So for me, it was two years ago, September of 2021. And I vividly remember it because I had downloaded this album to listen to on a flight to Florida. Um, my friends from uh, my hometown and I were renting a beach house in the Keys for a week. Uh, one of my friends there's no way he listens to this, but his uh, great guy, shout out to Mike, his girlfriend, Kim, who you've also met as a trainer at the mystic aquarium. And she was at a dolphin rescue in marathon key, Florida. If, if any of you are ever down there, go support them. They run a great operation. She was doing dolphin training. Um, and so because she was there for a work event for the week, we all just kind of piled on. None of us taking a trip for COVID because of COVID for a long time. And so we all got together somewhere where we could all be outdoors and um, socially distanced and whatnot. Uh, we had a great time, but I listened to this entire album, which is two shows from December 26, 73. And then this one from December 28, 73 for like the entire flight down. I was so into what was going on in this album that when we landed and rented our car, I was like, Jane, we need to, we need to finish this. We need to finish this thing, uh, during the car ride because we were landing in the middle of morning dew. Um, my virtual background is the morning dew. Oh, um, look at that. Nice. For those of you who are watching on YouTube. And I was kind of distraught that I had to get off the plane in the middle of this performance. So when we got into the car, I started it at the beginning of morning dew and we listened to the rest of the show as we drove down that long stretch of like two road highway from Miami down to the Florida Keys. So I have a very like clear mental image of where I was and what I was doing when I was listening to this for the first time. What about you? Is this the first time you've listened to it for the show? It was the first time I dove in. I've listened to most of the Dick's Picks, but missed this one. Um, but glad I got to 
experience it. Something kind of interesting to me, and we're not going to talk about the first night in um, Nebraska, but a lot of overlap between the two set lists for back-to-back shows, which is not typical. However, there are miles and miles and miles apart in the country. So I doubt anyone was going to both shows, but interesting that there was a lot of overlap. The previous night was in Lincoln or the previous show was in Lincoln, Nebraska two two nights prior. Yeah. I mean, if you think about 72, it's not that crazy. I think that there were like five songs they played in both and 72, like Europe 72. There were a lot of shows that they played like similar, a couple, two, three, four, five songs, both nights. What was interesting to me is that they included a lot of the duplicates. Like there's a, they love each other from both nights in this box. They did cut out the promised land from the 28th. So that was not included in this release. Oh, um, but uh, also, um, there's an eyes both nights, I believe. Yeah. Um, a couple others, big rivers both nights. So I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is kind of interesting that there that there was some overlap. But you know, no one can be mad about more Grateful Dead music in an official release like this. So um, I'm glad that they included it. All right. Well, we're already five minutes in, so let's let's quickly get through a couple points about the year, the background, etc. This is one drummer dead. The mid '70s lineup. Uh, Keith and Donna, Bob, Bill, Phil, and Jerry, of course. The top album in the land on February 20th, 73 was The World is a Ghetto by War. That was also the top album of the year. Kind of surprised me because there are some really great albums in 1973, including one that was released the day after this show. And if this show went after midnight, it was already out by the time this show ended. Dark Side of the Moon, one of the greatest selling albums of all time. Yeah. um, Released on March 1st, 1973. The top Billboard song on this day was Killing Me Softly with his song by Roberta, by Roberta Flack, that unseated Crocodile Rock. Um, and it was one of it's it was the first of five weeks at the top of the charts in 1973, which made it the the most common number one song of the year. I know that song better from the Fuji's version um, made famous by Lauren Hill and the gang in the 90s. I think that's a frankly a better version than, than the original. Um, but I digress. What's going on with this year in Grateful Dead history? Well, if you've just been listening to our show and don't know anything else about the Grateful Dead history, you have no idea because somehow we've never talked about this year before. We will get into that later on in a more fulsome manner, but I do want to talk about a couple of headlines before we keep going. The main one, probably the most important thing, this is actually the last show the Grateful Dead played while Pigpen was alive. He would die eight days later on March 8th, 1973. That's undisputedly the biggest event in Grateful Dead history from 1973, I think. Yeah. I mean, they had an album that came out, Wake of the Flood, in October, but and Pigpen didn't play any shows with them in 73, obviously, but one of their founding members passing away at such a young age, especially, um, I think that that is a very affecting thing that happened. So... There's that. This is widely viewed as the jazziest year in Grateful Dead history. You can start to sense that in this show. There's some really jazzy moments. Mostly Phil and Bill are the ones who are leading them in that direction, I think. And it led to some great stuff. A ton of great shows from 73, a bunch of live releases, including the very last show of 1973 from Tampa was released as Dick's Picks Volume 1. Tremendous show. I re-listened to it this morning to kind of get a sense of where they were going this year. You know, this show is where they were, relatively speaking, where they were starting. And then I wanted to hear where they would end up. Man, it was a great year in Grateful Dead music. They're they're just playing so, so well this year. Um, 
ton of great songs introduced in 73. Obviously, Wake of the Flood would come out in October, so most of those songs, but um, quick rundown. China Doll, Eyes of the World, Here Comes Sunshine, It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry, Let It Grow, Slash Weather Report Sweet, Let Me Sing Your Blues Away, Loose Lucy, Peggy O, Ro Jimmy, and They Love Each Other, all introduced into their live repertoire in 1973. So just an influx of great new stuff coming into the mix. Is there anything that you see as like a through line between that group of songs, Dave, as I, as you kind of hear them right now? What What do you mean a through line? Like, you know, if you look at the songs they introduced in 1970, it's this old weird America, this Americana right. vibe. I don't think that there's something that's that explicit going on in 73 um, per se. There are a lot of like kind of complicated masterpieces though. China doll. I definitely feel that way about eyes of the world, eyes of the world. Um, weather yeah. report suite for sure road jimmy yeah. has that interesting reggae-ish backbeat like yeah. there's they're more patient and exploring their their masterpieces like they're they're not trying to turn in five six minute songs they're they're being patient and exploring their songwriting and where they can go i think that's a good point like weather report suite eyes of the world road jimmy all are fairly complicated. Yeah. And they certainly make them complicated the way that they play them. I mean, right. I mean in the, in the best possible way. Well, um, should we just get right into the music? We've got 20 minutes to go. I think we're going to need all that time to talk about the great music that was played on two twenty eight seventy three. Yeah, we will. Apologies to this show in advance because we're not doing it justice, only giving it 20 minutes, but yeah, let's start it up with Cold Rain and Snow. Thought it was all right. I love this as an opener. This was a like you talked about with jazz coming in. This was a jazzy version. Only issue on my end was Jerry's lead is like barely audible on the release. So that held it back for me. But I love this as an opener. Me too. This is a relatively long version too. It's almost seven minutes long. So they kind of stretch it out a little bit, feel out the space of it compare i i have to compare it to that dick's picks volume one opener with here comes sunshine that's like 15 minutes long and just like unbelievable knock your socks off good they could do both things in 73 if they wanted to open the show with a monster jam they would do it why not if they, if they wanted to open it with a quick punchy um promise land which i think is what they did the previous show they do that somewhere in the middle is where this one falls a uh, six minute 30 second cold rain and snow there's some really good moments throughout the song, but yeah, it doesn't stand out to me. The thing that really stands out to me, the first standout of this show is the third song. So you have cold rain and snow, then beat it on down the line, which is just like three minutes long, kind of a standard beat it on down the line. I don't know if you're doing it justice, man. I, the masses are high on that beat it on down the line. Really? Number two on heady version. Oh my God. Yeah. Silver metal. Keith balled out. Donna tried a Southern accent. I don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, Donna has a Southern accent. She's from Alabama. <laughs> okay. I don't hate it. Um, I think it was great. Um, it's just so only three just, minutes long. Just so... don't skip it. That's all. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. That's really impressive to me that I would not have thought of that as like a top beat it on down the line. But then again, I'm not sure what I would have been looking for in a top beat yeah. down the line, frankly. Um, I do think that it's a, a top, top, they love each other. But this leads us to our first bigger conversation of it the does. show. It does. 
So we were originally going to record this a couple of days ago and um, you had something come up and I said, that's fine. It gives me more time to hone my, they love each other takes. And you were like, I can't wait to hear it. I don't like this version. <laughs> so um, I think that you were not very well versed in the up-tempo 1973 arrangement of they correct. love each other, the original yep. arrangement. That's correct. I dig, I dig the vibe. Don't get me wrong, but I prefer the slowed down post hiatus version and i know i know i'm in the minority we ran a twitter poll thank you for voting if you did um but it's not like an overwhelming landslide it's not like 80 20 the last time i checked the poll last night it was like 56 44 that's Um, right where it ended up okay there is another nuance to this though that is an overwhelming indictment on your opinion (laughs) okay um so you may or may not know this. Dead and Company have played this song with this fast arrangement exactly one time. In Atlanta in 2021, they played a much faster 73, They Love Each Other. On deadyversion.com, where the masses vote on the best Dead and Company versions, that version has more votes than any other three performances they've ever had of They Love Each Other. Wow. It is okay. by far and away viewed as the best version of they love each other that they've ever played so when it comes to that 73 heat or that 73 beats per minute dead and co they love each other the masses are un unquestioning they love the faster version okay when it when it comes to the tops top ones on um heady version i noticed this 13 of the 15 versions that are on the front page are either from 73 or 77 so 77 has that more slowed down post hiatus vibe right they were playing really well back then uh, 73 obviously with the original um arrangement so it's kind of interesting it, it is not like an overwhelming majority that, no. that feel at 73 you're right uh, a quick easter egg in our next episode that's coming out there's something that i was not as crazy about as you and i told you with subjective feelings of art like this there's typically not a right answer but in this situation i think you are right and and i was wrong an, an right, easter that's egg coming. what's to come that's coming next this one I don't think is that way. I don't think that anyone's right here. I think that reasonable minds can differ on which is more satisfying. I like the faster arrangement um, better. We have polled a couple of other people in our lives. Our, our friend Zach of Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper, he prefers 73. Our he does. Friend- and we went to him as a tiebreaker, but I want to read what he said about it because I, I thought he, as always, was just spot on. I'd say the two arrangements capture two different stages of love. The fast ones, the initial infatuation stage, and the anxiety it can bring. And then the slow ones, the more chill, committed stage, where there's no anxiety about whether they feel the same. I thought that was just beautiful. And I think two, can we agree it's a good song? We got two opportunities to to love it. Yeah, I think that it's interesting to his point that added verse and bridge that are in this early version kind of support that too, because um, one of the lyrics in it is um, heard your news report. Um, What's the next line? Heard your news report, something else. Um, Pretty soon won't trust you for the weather is the, is how they conclude that. And it's basically saying like, I, I'm losing trust in you and, and I'm not sure how much longer I can trust you. Um, and so that kind of goes to Zach's theory, but I love those extra lyrics that come with this version. Um, 
they're 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 on a dizzy ride and you're stone sober is another lyric that's in that added verse that I think is great. Just great hunter uh, lyricism. And um, I think with the faster version, there's uh, an added opportunity for that kind of, you know, guitar lyricism from Jerry when he's kind of ripping it off. I think also maybe part of what I like, why I'm like predisposed to like it so much is the outro music in the good old Grateful Dead cast is a fast 73. They love each other. Ah. And so I feel like I have just been like, subconsciously hearing it a lot in my life every time I've listened to one of their episodes. So I don't know, maybe that's in my head. We spend a lot of time on They Love Each Other. I think it's warranted because it, this is a great performance. Um, I Again, I feel like it's the this, the first standout moment of the show. I think it's the, the highlight of set one. Um, this is just a, a great, a great They Love Each Other to me. A um, couple of last notes on it. So this was one for me where it's just like, sit back and enjoy it. I, I don't really have any specific call outs. I think everyone's playing extremely well. I'm sure this is a top version um, on heady version as is. I'm sure the one from 226. like I said, most of the top ones are from 73 or 77. I bet both of these are on there. They the last... are. You, you talked about the stat of like the top 12 versions. This is number 13 of 228. So um, had you yeah. scrolled down one more, you would have found it. And then uh, <laughs> the night before is something like seven or eight. It's like a little bit above it. Um, but yeah, two, two well, well-regarded versions. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's fantastic. I just prefer post hiatus. That's all. The last time they played the song before the hiatus was on 222.74, which selections from that show were included as the bonus disc for Dave's Pick subscribers last year. But auspiciously suspiciously strangely they love each other was not included on the bonus disc so maybe um one david lemieux also likes the slower version david lemieux come on the show you can tell us (laughs) so um all right so after a, a good six minute they love each other we get into mexicali blues kind of just a good standard version good decent yep um then sugary nice sugary it's like eight minutes long they have some really nice um moments uh throughout the song and i mean it there's nothing that like makes it you know leaps and bounds above above other sugaries but this is a song that i really like and it's passionately played here so i was a, i was a fan of this version this version got stuck in my head a lot this week as we were listening so i dug it crisp and refreshing um yeah good good little sugary into a great little box of rain yeah really really good box of rain i agree this is a song we chose a show last year because it included a box of rain and i mentioned then it's probably one of my i mean top two or three like studio grateful dead songs as far as like beautiful lyrics poignancy it's right up there on my list i adore this song but it's not one that i've really found many live versions of that like really grabbed me this one's really good. It's just funny that like Phil is such an unusual player when it comes to the bass, obviously. And he's just also a very unusual singer. Yeah. Like he's, this is like three years after he put this on wax for American beauty. And already he's like not singing at the, even close to the same way it appears on the record. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of funny, like Donna supporting vocals, she gets like off sometimes because Phil's just doing weird shit. Um, and I really respect that. So yeah, it becomes, a, I think a more captivating version as a result. Yeah. Mass is respected too. number four box of rain on heady version. 
And if you were to listen to this um, on Spotify, this song has the second most streams from the show, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, that's cool. That that also kind of makes sense. If if you were a new head and you listened to American Beauty and started to fall in love with The Grateful Dead, and then you were like, "Oh, I wonder what's a good live version of Box of Rain." This would probably be where you'd begin. Yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd find this. Um, okay, nice. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was a, a really good version. Um, and I really like where they go from here too. I think it's a great El Paso that comes after this. Uh, I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was solid. I thought this was a, similar to the 77 El Paso we talked about in our last episode, which was like, it like almost could have been the studio version. They're playing it so well. They're playing it so crisp. Bob singing is really, really great on it. He, he's like kind of like Westerning it up. Um, and yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. And he kind of did that for beat it on down the line too. Yeah. So he sounds really good. And I think that that kind of makes this song um, in this performance. And also Jerry's guitar is just so crisp. The um, Indian bead string he's working on throughout this song is just so strong. His playing is fantastic. And that can really make or break in El Paso. Um, So yeah, good version. And then that leads us into really the big song of uh, set one, a 12 minute long, super jammed out. He's gone. Kind of interesting. I know that this song is has nothing to do with death in its you know origin. That's about Mickey Hart's dad stealing from them. But um, it is kind of odd that they played "He's Gone" in their last show before Pigpen died. Yeah. Um, it's a. This is a good version. They, you know, really work it. Um, this mm-hmm. song, I think Donna's backing vocals are really good. They're very strong. Jerry's playing throughout is really good and passionate. There is a level of like fun that they seem, seem to have with the song at sometimes throughout 73. Um, you'll get some like, um, woo, um, sort of moments that definitely you don't feel here. And I wonder if maybe part of that is hard. Maybe it's hard not to think about pig pen. Who's obviously not doing well. Um, when they play this song and the fact he's gone literally from this, he's not on the stage. He's not with them on their tour. Um, but yeah, I thought that this was a good moment. Another to me, another standout of set one standout for me as well. Good until like the nine and a half minute mark. And then the outro gets great. Number 17. He's gone on HV. What about Jack straw? Was that anywhere in the top of the charts? Not really. It was a crisp Jack straw. Um, but it was number 80 on heady version. So with the amount of times they played it, I mean, you're looking at a top percentile, but. Yeah, I think so. It's less than five minutes long. And the fact that they can find like interesting solo moments in something that's that tight made yeah. it really interesting to me. I thoroughly enjoyed this Jack straw. Yeah. And it was kind of like the sugary for me. I was like, when I finished hearing it, I was like, huh, I bet you that's a pretty well-regarded version. And when I did my research, it was not as high as I thought, but yeah, I was really into this, especially the first half of this. I just thought they were on it out of he's gone. Totally agree. All right. We've got about eight minutes left, so we're going to have to crank through the second set, which sucks. Cause I want to spend all eight minutes talking about this China rider that comes. Next. <laughs> so it's funny. I was actually about to say we should skip China rider. Oh man. So you, you take China rider and then I'll go from there. So okay. go, go ham. 
really dug the china it's got like an extended jam um that plays out like goldilocks it's not too long they don't jam it out too long they don't go right into rider it's not too short it's just right thought everything about it was great number 25 top 25 version on heady version masses loved it i loved it great way to start set two i agree that it was really good just i would not have had it as a top 25 personally but it is good. Part of the reason, I guess, is because I don't feel like they completely stuck the landing on um, Ryder. Although I, I agree with that. I just think the China Cat is like leaps and bounds. Tremendous. Yeah, it is really good. So um, I know you, Ryder, the northbound train part is the highlight to me. Jerry belting it out. Uh, like I said, I don't think that they stick the landing completely on that one, um, partially because that jam is so interesting at the back end of of uh china cat they're really kind of they find some real space and so then kind of having to come back down to earth to land it on i know you rider i think they uh it's just like it's good it's just not great um that transition but um that i mean that's okay it's still a good very good china cat and a, and a good rider after that is big river i have no notes on that um i think we should get into the big jam of the second set if you're okay with it let's do it so big river then road jimmy i love road jimmy as you know um this version is fine it's not my favorite though uh what is my favorite is everything after that (laughs) so before we dive into that i'm surprised by that because masses loved this road jimmy number seven on any version wow yeah honestly it's the vocal performance for me it's a bit whiny i think a lot of a little bit of that is probably official release bias, but um, anyway, yeah. What we're about to talk about next is in- incredible. Yeah, it's a shame that we only have five minutes to talk about it, but it's trucking into the other one, into Eyes of the World, into Morning Dew, and then Sugar Mags, and then we bid you good night. All right, so starting with trucking, it's twelve minutes long. It's a it's a very good trucking, and they're already finding a lot of space on this song. Around mm-hmm. the eight minute mark, Phil starts to try to take them into the other one. Yep. And Bob isn't quite ready. And so instead we get like a little bass solo over what I would describe as proto drums. So Bill is like kind of doing drums, but Phil is working a bass solo too, right. um, which is a cool way for them to like land on the other one, because then you get that boom, and then you're off and into the other one. And Man, this is a wild, the other one. For for one that's only 15 minutes long, they go deep into deep. space on this. Yeah. The um, the intro is like almost eight minutes long before they even start singing, and it's very spacey. Yeah. I Something about this like shifted my sense of time. I The first time that I listened to it, I thought that this was like a 25 or 30 minute version. And then, then I like looked when it was ending, and I was like, huh, okay. Um that's only 15 minutes. And then the second time I listened to it, I got to that eight minute mark when they started singing. And I was like, okay, gee, this song must almost be over. It's got to be like the 12 minute mark. And I looked and I was like, oh my gosh. So something about this really bent my sense of time. But <laughs> this is an onslaught that faded into a float down a space river. I I loved this other one so much. Number 10 on Heady Version, top 10 other one. I don't disagree. Me neither. It's pretty wild. Around like the 810 mark, Jerry and Keith start with this really cool little groove. Keith is playing these shimmery little adornments over Jerry, just working all the way down um, his guitar. 
And then from there, we go way the hell out to space. It's like yeah. kind of frightening at times where they go after that. Um, and it it only gets brighter, I think. Like it only shines brighter when we get to a, pla- a place where everything goes quiet except for Jerry starting to noodle around on that Eyes of the World theme. Mm-hmm. And then everyone comes back and we're into Eyes of the World. This is a super jazzy intro. Maybe the jazziest point of the whole show um, to um, Eyes of the World. When we talked to Zach about what he loved so much about 72, he said that he thought that later in the 70s, Bill stopped using as much of his drum set. This performance of Eyes of the World, it's almost like someone dared him to not touch a tom the entire song. It's just like (laughs) on the cymbals and on the snare the entire song. And it sounds great. It's like kind of perfect for this song. Um, It gives this song like a shimmer and then an effervescence that I I really, really like. I know what you mean. Yep. Um, I thought the end was like super jazz rocky and cool like the walk downs at the end thought yeah were excellent definitely it feel the beginning of this song it feels like you're being rescued from the depths of space from that's what right. you just had yep. and the other one it's like okay i can breathe now we're into something that's more melodic and familiar um and then it's just played at a great pace by the middle we're back out to space again and then around 1255 we come out and into back back into the eyes of the world theme like perfectly it's Mm -hmm. so good this is a fantastic the other one and yet i don't think it's as good as the morning dew that follows i think that the morning dew might be the highlight of this entire show i just think it's fantastic the solo around 5 30 absolutely cooks at 8 35 we get this super ethereal playing for like a minute and then jerry starts to take us back up but there's really great listening from everyone because it's like he's starting to go up and Maybe the band could like go fully back into it, but they wait and they're patient. And then at 1040, that's when you get the fiery theatrical peak to this song. And then Jerry just goes into guitar God mode, uh, (laughs) ending with an absolute fill bomb at 1157 that just punctuates it, brings you back into the conclusion of the song and getting ready to conclude the show. 10 out of 10 morning do for me. Yep. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Number 28 on heady version. Man, deservedly so, if not if not higher. Mm-hmm. Then you get a, a great 10-minute long sugar mag. Um, they come to a, basically a complete stop before Sunshine Daydream, which makes that even more dramatic and satisfying. Um, and then a good, long, three-minute version of We Bid You Good Night. Yeah, I thought a, a really impassioned version, too. Um, Jerry's vocals were better than usual on, on Bid You Good Night. Number 11, Bid You Good Night on Hattie version, a front page version and an awesome end to an awesome release. Truly awesome. My like nitpicks with this show, I just want to say like every song in this release is like a nine out of 10. It's literally like finding <laughs> things to yeah. like note. I loved everything. Like, like I said, you know, I said not my favorite road, Jimmy. I think the singing is a little bit whiny. That's like, it's all relative. This is a still a good row jimmy i listened to everything on this release multiple times as we got ready for the show and i would will gladly do it again um in the future but we're out of time it's been 30 minutes yeah that's it what a good show happy birthday happy 50th this show 22873 and uh just like they did we will bid you good night Good night, good night, and I'll bid you good night.